Well, welcome to our back porch. It is such a joy to have you joining us each week as we talk together about our Lord. We are getting closer to the end of the book, Pursue the Intentional Life by Jean Fleming. Again, this is not an old person book. It is a book that is a treasure for every generation. It's a book of inspiration, of challenges, of truth, and of warnings about the way we choose to live. And it also reminds us how easily we can change course at any time. So let me pray as we get started today. Father, we ask you to consecrate this time. We consecrate ourselves to you to be used for your kingdom and your glory. Speak to us and through us. Lord, we pray for those who are watching or listening, that you would speak to them also. Give us all ears to hear and hearts to understand. Use Jean's words to make us more like your son, Jesus. We want to live intentionally for you, God. Bless this time and bless all who are part of our back porch today. Amen. So today we start with chapter 24 entitled, Tripped Up, Drink, Drugs, Sex, Materialism, and Other Dangers. A little bit ominous. <laughs> um, Jean opens this chapter actually with a really interesting scripture, and that is Ecclesiastes 10.1. It says, As dead flies cause even a bottle of perfume to stink, so a little foolishness spoils great wisdom and honor. It's a little bit sad and a little bit scary because even a small indiscretion can overshadow years of wisdom and honor. This verse is doubly sad because Solomon, who is called the wisest man, wrote it and then let flies into his own life. Jean goes on to say, the flies were already buzzing around Solomon's ointment when the queen of Sheba traveled a great distance to hear his wise words and see the kingdom that wisdom built. Sad, but doubly sad, because scripture tells us in 1 Kings that as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his hearts after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord, his God, and the, as the heart of David, his father, had been. So this man who was honored for his wisdom let in the flies and he finishes his life with a sad stench on his legacy. Mm -hmm. Solomon, from a generational standpoint, knew what had happened in his father's life as a result of sin and he saw the consequences that were many in David's life. And yet, Solomon falls into a very similar sin and ends up worshiping the pagan idols of his wives and not completing his life as the wise and godly man that he had been known to be. Sin can be a gradual slide for all of us. and We could be moving closer and closer to things that ultimately could be the things that trip us up, as Jean called it in her title of this book. It could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be a love of money or a love of things or even a selfish pride that could lead us to a very poor ending. And these are the things that the enemy knows can be our greatest weaknesses. So our biggest problem from baby steps to the grave is self. <laughs> it's us at every age, at every stage. A baby is all about themselves. 
and and it really doesn't change much as we we maybe handle it a little different but the looming eye exerts its gargantuan appetites in us and then our culture takes advantage of that and they scream at us you deserve a break today or you are worth it because you can or you only live once and so on all you have to do is watch a few commercials and find that they are grabbing us in that you spot the commonality of course here is you the world keeps offering you and me more choices more freedom more money more things wow yeah it's also blatantly self-indulgent and materially minded so then we wonder could it be true as in solomon's life that the older we get the more we want mm. So the question is, what do we want? Jean answers, I decided I want to live responsibly before the generations coming after me, which I think is a wonderful goal. Um, because no matter how old we are, there's always a generation coming after us and they're watching, maybe out of the corner of their eyes, but they are observing how we handle the newfound freedom in our young adult years, how we handle the responsibility of our midlife years, they're observing how we decide to use our time and our energy as empty nesters. Mm. And then even as we grow old and perhaps lose mobility, um, we have more time at home, they are watching to see if we will become grumpy old people. <laughs> so they're watching to see how we will discipline our appetites of mm. all kinds. They're watching to see whether we will pursue truth and virtue mm. or if we'll veer off the path of godliness to find our own brand of truth. Mm. They're watching to see how we handle failures, disappointments, and losses, because all of these will be, they will, they're inevitable. <laughs> they're all coming to us. That's right. So they do watch and wonder. You have watched and wondered as you've watched others in those different seasons of life. And they watch and wonder if the promises of God will hold up in the real world. Mm -hmm or if we can live Christ's will to the very end. They will watch to see if we can find joy and peace when life strips away those we love, when life takes away our security, when, when we lose our things. Jean says of herself, with my own finish line ahead, I acknowledge my need to continually refocus on the Lord himself his calling on my life, his care, mm -hmm. his guidance, and his resources. And so we've spoken of this before, but this means we come back to this place where we fix our eyes mm -hmm. on Jesus. We focus mm -hmm. on Jesus. We surrender to mm -hmm. Jesus. Mm -hmm. He is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. And he has promised that he will guide us to complete the race that has already been set before us all the way to the finish line. So would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, expose our blind spots, the, the places we have allowed comfort to overtake discipline. Show us the places in our souls that have become numb to sin. Help us to learn from the generational sins of our own families. 
We are all prone to failure and sin. We will fail, we will sin, but we can learn from the things that we have seen. Just as Solomon saw the losses that were results of his own father's sin, yet he chose to ignore those and believe that it would never happen to him. Open our eyes, Father, to see those things through your eyes. You, Lord, are just bigger than all of this. Father, just as Jean prayed, please show us the things in our lives that left unchecked will trip us up. Protect us from the things of this world that can so easily entangle us. When life brings temptation, may we quickly turn our eyes back to you. Please keep us from the foolishness that allows the flies in and steals the fragrance of our testimony. Oh, Lord, you call us to be a sweet fragrance of Christ as we share the gospel everywhere we go. Help us to know where the weak spots are, where the flies get in, and guide us in sealing those openings and securing our hearts in you. Guard our hearts, O Lord. Grow in us a spirit of watchfulness and sweet and steady zeal to stand firm in Christ. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, so we are moving on to chapter 25, and this chapter has an interesting title as well. It's called The Lump, When Failure Threatens to Overwhelm. So we start this chapter with Jean's personal story to help us sense the truth of the lump in our own lives. I'm thankful that she chose to share this intimate story with us. It's been incredibly helpful to me as I seem to be carrying my own lump these days. And perhaps some of you will also connect with her story of the lump and understand what that feels like. So Jean says, for years, I lived with an almost palpable lump. I felt in my throat and chest a heaviness that I couldn't escape Every morning, I came to the Lord hopeful that I might make spiritual sense of this anguish lodged in me. I've come to believe that lumps can destroy us or bless us. But I want to learn the lesson of the lump for the rest of my life. So Jean describes this lump as a fibrous mass of grief and failure that grew from the experience of caring for her terminally ill mother and then grieving her loss when she died. Jean spoke of the struggle to love her mom and care for her the way that that the Lord would want of her, and she felt her failure in this deeply. It's important to note, though, that Jean says that she never felt condemned in that failure. In fact, she says, I confessed sin and received God's forgiveness. I sense no breach in my fellowship with the Lord. Nevertheless, the lump resided unabated. Before and after my mother's death, I prayed, Lord, please teach me what is happening in my heart. What is it you want me to learn, to know, to do? The Lord revealed himself to me day by day, but he didn't speak to the lump. Then one morning, months after my mom's death, he addressed my pain. I came upon 2 Corinthians 2, 7. Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. 
The word excessive sorrow hit me hard. I prayed, Lord, is this what's happening to me? Am I being overwhelmed with excessive sorrow? I knew the Lord was near and speaking, and I sobbed in gratitude. So in seeking to understand what might be happening in her soul, Jean dug deeper into the meaning of the word overwhelmed and found it means to gulp down, to swallow, to drown, or to devour. And in that search, she looked at scripture to find scripture that would reveal to her more about that word. So I'm going to read some of those scriptures to you. And in addition, she added her own response at the end of each passage. So the first is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. And it says, death has been swallowed up in victory. And we can all say glory to that. And then 2 Corinthians 5, 4 says, While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. And we absolutely say hallelujah to that. Hebrews 11:29 says it was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. And to that Jean says, "Uh-oh." Then 1 Peter 5:8 says, "Stay alert. Watch for your great enemy the devil because he prowls around like a roaring lion." looking for someone to devour. And her reply was, Lord, is my sorrow over my sin excessive? And is Satan using it to swallow me up? Excessive sorrow goes beyond healthy repentance Mm -hmm. and leaves us completely open to the enemy. Continuing in this kind of sorrow puts us in the danger of being swallowed up, drowned, or devoured. So Martin Luther struggled with excessive sorrow. There was a time in his life when he became obsessed with his sin, his own sin. For hours he would review the Ten Commandments, the Seven Deadly Sins, and the Sermon on the Mount. He lived in fear of never being righteous enough. He spent hours confessing his sin. The pain was so deep that it caused him actual physical illness. Mm -hmm. So there's a fine line between saying, I recognize I'm a sinner in need of grace, and then coming to a place of self-hatred because of your sin. Excessive sorrow is not from the Lord. We can come to the place of making an idol over our own remorse and grief. It's there that we're missing the glory and the goodness of God. And it might sound crazy, but when something becomes an idol, we kind of step into a place of comfort. We become comfortable with that idol. No matter the issue, whether that idol is is habitual sin, whether it is grief or depression or self-hatred, when the enemy enters into these places, he convinces us that there's no other hope. So he just tells us that we might as well settle into it. And that's what we can do. Jean knew that this lump in her soul could become destructive, and she persisted with the Lord to find healing. Over time, the Lord began to do a work in her, resolving bits of the lump, 
and bringing understanding. She found comfort in the word as she read about the life of Peter. And I think it's helpful to us. And interestingly, especially in these days as we are approaching Holy Week, the days that lead to the crucifixion of Christ. Peter found himself in excessive sorrow for the sin of rejecting Jesus and then grief over his death. Peter had vowed his allegiance to Jesus, even to death, he said. And he said that just hours before. In Luke 22:62, it tells us that Peter wept bitterly after denying Jesus. But this is what I want you to hear and love about Peter. When Jesus was arrested, most accounts in the gospel will tell us that the disciples deserted Jesus and fled. They ran away in fear, but Luke's account tells us this. They arrested Jesus and Peter followed at a distance. When all the others ran away, Peter was there. And Jean says, Peter was following imperfectly but he was there. Mm -hmm. Even though Peter was terrified and confused, full of self and weakness, he wanted to be near Jesus. He was a stumbling follower. Mm -hmm. And that's just like us guys. We don't always follow closely or with bold courage, but hopefully we're following because our soul still longs for the connection. We long for the nearness of Jesus. Before Peter's denial, Jesus actually told him that he would fail. In Luke 22:32, Jesus said, But afterward, when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. This tells us that serious failure did not disqualify Peter. Perhaps it even prepared him to serve. And maybe failure does a necessary work. Though Satan may tempt us to failure, God can take it and use it for his purposes. But there's one more step. All of this, the lump, the failures, the grief, the excessive sorrow, they can leave behind wounds. Jean writes that just like those who came to Jesus for healing of their blindness and of their leprosy, she came to Jesus to say, Lord, I have received your forgiveness and cleansing, yet I feel need of a cleansing that heals conscience and memory. You can heal me if you are willing. Amen. David wrote much of of forgiveness. We can read that in the Psalms. Yet he continued also to speak of the feeling of heaviness of his past sins. Paul carried that stinging memory of persecuting Christians. And perhaps there are some sorrows over sin that the Lord allows to continue in us to keep us humble and to remind us to be grateful for his mercies. But there are other places open wounds caused by grief, inflicted pain or abuse that the Lord truly desires to heal in us. Soren Kierkegaard, a philosopher and theologian said this, in order for the wound to be healed, the wound must be kept open. As a nurse, I saw a number of wounds that had to be opened to allow the infection to escape so that the healing could begin from the inside of that wound all the way to the outside. And in those instances, wounds were actually tended in such a way to keep them open. 
If the skin closed over it, the infection would increase and become trapped in that space. The same is true for our hearts and our souls. Jean says wound work requires a strong stomach and much grace. I think that's a great statement. And this is what I have found in working with women struggling with various kinds of deep wounds. The idea of uncovering the wound and inviting Jesus in to tend it in order to bring healing to it seemed much more severe than just choosing to continue living with the constant pain and sorrow. How sad is that to see people refusing the healing offered to us by Jesus. It is fear that keeps them from freedom. So John Eldred says of inner healing, inner healing prayer, at its very best, all prayer is deep communion, drawing us into intimacy and union with our God. When that intimacy and union reaches the damaged places within us, it is like spring showers that come to Death Valley. The inner healing that occurs is more beautiful than anything in nature that has taken our breath away. So the, the Freedom Prayer, M1 Freedom Prayer Ministry, is available. We're here to help you walk through that journey. And it's so amazing to watch as Jesus gently peels back the layers of past hurts and wounds and then pours in His healing life. Mm -hmm. The freedom that comes from His healing is indescribable. Mm -hmm. So if you have any questions about freedom prayer or this kind of inner healing prayer, please email us at freedomprayer@magnoliasfirst.org. And then I also want to remind you that we have a study coming up uh, starting April 10th, Sunday evening. 11th. April 11th. I've been saying 10. <laughs> April 11th, <laughs> uh, Sunday at 5 p.m. Um, you can do it online via Zoom or you can come in person. But this book, uh, sorry, Moving Mountains, is it really touches on freedom, healing that brings freedom. And so it's a great study. Uh, Cindy and I both have walked through it before and we found some freedom of our own uh, through these things. And so that's why we are so excited about Freedom Prayer because we've done it <laughs> and we, right. we've experienced it in our own lives. And so we invite you to that study. Or again, if you just want something more one-on-one, -on -one, then email us again at freedomprayer@magnoliasfirst.org. Mm -hmm. So let me pray. Lord, we place our excessive sorrow over sin at your feet. Help us to be alert to the ways the enemy seeks to devour us, mm -hmm. pushing us toward making agreements of sorrow with our sin, sin that has been confessed and forgiven, yet still holding us captive. Thank you, Lord, for the ways you can redeem all of our failures mm -hmm. if we will simply release them to you. We ask forgiveness for the ways that we have made an idol of our grief or sorrow and even the painful memories of sin. Father, give us the courage to seek your healing for our hearts and souls. We thank you for your word that tells us that you died so that we might find freedom and that Christ came to heal the brokenhearted and bind up our wounds. In your powerful name we pray, amen. Amen. Amen, there is so much to be found when we seek healing. So we're back at that place about what made you smile this week. Um, it, last week I said something about it in the beginning, and I guess that that gave you some time to think about it because we had a number of comments. It was awesome to read 
And we so appreciate that. So would you do that again today? Would you share with us some of the things that made you smile this week? And I will confess that when it came to me, it took me some time to come to that. There's been a, a bit of heaviness around here this week uh, that we have felt. But one night at dinner, something was said, uh, just the three of us sitting at the table together, and we just laughed heartily. It was just, it was so fun. It was, there was something funny that was said. It was so fun and just therapeutic to just laugh out loud. Yeah, so true, laughter's good, good medicine. I smiled at a fun day that, that I got to have with my friend who I hadn't spent time with in a long time. And then also um, getting some home projects done with my husband this week, we were on vacation. So um, yeah, it was good, made me happy. So we pray that you have a blessed week and we'll see you next week.